0: Greetings and welcome to my podcast, Why So Political. I'm your host, Neha Yadavali, a high schooler from the United States. Regardless of your views, I hope you enjoy this episode of Why So Political. This episode covers relatively mature topics. Audience discretion is advised. I'm sure there's been a point in all of our lives where someone did or said something that was totally uncalled for. Naturally, dilapidation triggered by an uncanny incident is detrimental to any average person, and these very acts can prompt feelings of despair, exasperation, and even resentment. In some cases, or in many cases, the victim of the incident, if you will, pledges some form of retribution towards their nemesis. This is because the need for revenge is an inherent human trait, a human trait that has been crafted by natural selection. Revenge can either be associated with a means of getting justice, or it can be synonymous to destruction. If you truly think about it, How effective is the eye-for-an-eye mindset, and what or whom does it actually benefit? The reason I'm going on about the idea of vengeance is because it plays a very relevant part in the debate of whether or not the death penalty should be abolished. This question arose rather recently, and it's a very important subject matter. Some may view the death penalty as a means of a victim or a victim's family getting the highest form of justice. Mind you, this highest form of justice would be death, and obviously not everyone would have this mentality. Despite this viewpoint, others may feel that the death penalty is not an effective punishment. My views on the death penalty fall into the latter group. I feel as though the death penalty is dated and flawed in many ways. Let's get into specifics. The first thing I would outline is how expensive the death penalty actually is. Many would be surprised to find that carrying out an execution comes with very hefty costs. Let's take a look at some financial stats from various states in the United States. According to the report of the California Commission on the Fair Administration of Justice, the annual cost of the present death penalty system totals to $137 million per year. Get this, the cost of a system that imposes lifetime incarceration as an alternative to the death penalty would be a significantly smaller $11.5 million per year. Thus, the argument that killing a person rather than keeping them alive would be moot. Let's take a look at Maryland. A study by the Urban Institute on March 6, 2008, estimates that the average cost to Maryland taxpayers for a single death sentence is $3 million. This would be $1.9 million more than the cost of a non-death penalty case. And these are not the only states who have reported a negative financial correlation with death sentences. Across the board, there is increasing evidence that leads to one conclusion. The death penalty is far too costly and more expensive in the long run than carrying out a life sentence. While many would argue that an increased amount of money being paid by taxpayers is necessary in keeping our community safe, there is overwhelming evidence that the death penalty does not actually have any impact or correlation with crime rates. In fact, and this may come as a surprise, a negative correlation was found between death penalty cases and crime rates. Essentially, states that upheld the death penalty were found to have higher crime rates than states who did not. According to data taken from the FBI's Uniform Crime Reports in the years between 1990 to 2003, the murder rate in non-death penalty states remained consistently lower than in states upholding death penalty. This gap has only grown since 1990. Furthermore, States that reject the death penalty seem to be safer in general. One example of this would lie in homicide rates. According to the Death Penalty Information Center, 10 of the 12 states without the death penalty have homicide rates below the national average, whereas half of the states with the death penalty have homicide rates above. During the last 20 years, the homicide rates in states with the death penalty has been around 48% to 101% higher than in states without the death penalty. Furthermore, the average of murder rates per 100,000 people in population in 1999 among death penalty states was 5.5 whereas the average of murder rates among non-death penalty states was only 3.6. In terms of statistics, it truly seems as if the death penalty is not only a drain of money, but it's also an ineffective way in reducing crime rates or deterring crime in any way. The problem with the death penalty doesn't end here. There are also many flaws inherent to the system as a whole. Let's take a closer look. The biggest flaw in the death penalty would definitely be the clear racial bias that is deep rooted in the system. According to the ACLU, 85% or 17 out of 20 of those on federal death row are people of color. In 80% or 548 out of 684 of the cases submitted to the Attorney General as a possible federal death penalty case, the defendant was not white. This proves that white people who have committed same or similar crimes to POC are far less likely to get the death penalty. Furthermore, According to the New York Times, defendants convicted of killing white victims were executed at a rate 17 times greater than those convicted of killing black victims. This is wrong on so many levels. And another important thing to consider is that so many of the people on death row don't actually belong there. People who have compromised mental health or those who are truly innocent are put on death row without much thought. This all goes to prove that the death penalty needs to be terminated because it is a system based on chaos, essentially. That's what it is. The final thing I will address is the argument that many families may find solace in their perpetrator being put to death. And it truly is not my place to say that this is necessarily wrong, but let me leave you with this. How effective is it for a perpetrator to be put to death? Would that not be the easy way out? The way I look at it, if someone has committed a truly heinous and unspeakable act, shouldn't they be forced to live with that for the rest of their lives? That's just some food for thought. That concludes this episode of Why So Political. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to my take. I know this content was heavy, but I truly appreciate your time. If you like what you heard, I highly encourage you to come back next week. A new episode of Why So Political drops every Monday at 8 Eastern Standard Time. Have a good one.